Hey everybody, it is episode 59 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming at you from Austin, Texas here at Rogue Running. Steve is with me live and in person. Hey Steve. Hello podcast world. This episode is going to be a lot of fun. We're actually going to be taking some of our mental training work, the foundation that we laid over our mentor, mental training series, and now we're going to talk a little bit about putting it into practice. I know a lot of people have listened to those episodes and gotten a lot of questions from people about those episodes. I do think at times there's some kind of gray area or questions for people about how do I actually make this real for me. And so born out of those questions, we're starting a new little mini series on purpose specifically. And we're going to be bringing on runners and athletes who want to share their purpose and then get kind of coached up in terms of refining that purpose with Steve and I. So we're going to be doing that today, and we're super excited. We've got some athletes from our podcast training group joining this episode. But if you're interested in getting in on the series, definitely email me, Chris at Rogue Running. You'll obviously have to complete your statement of purpose and submit that to us and be open to talking about it in a public forum. But if you'd like to jump in on that, send me a note, Chris at RogueRunning.com. All right, before we get to talking about purpose in practice... We've got some current events to chat about, as we always do. The first is a super local one. This past weekend here in Austin, we had the 3M Half Marathon. We talked about that race and its strategy a few episodes ago, and the race actually happened this past weekend. It ended up being a warm and humid day in Austin. Like, so, Like, like um, par for the course, except the fact that the course was not like that the day bef- two days before and, and, the day and literally the day after. So it ended up probably upper 50s at the start, kind of low 60s once it got going. Humidity was, though, like... High humidity, 95%. 95%. A little bit of a headwind with the wind coming from the south. So it was a tough, tough day. And the day. roads were slick. They were they were wet. You know, when we get when we get rains when we haven't had them in a while, we get slippery roads, and you could tell. I had a few people with more than their normal hamstring, quad, groin issues in the couple days after. So yes. it was a tough so day yeah, out there. It was a tough day. Made it hard to get the usually treasure trove of PRs that we have coming out of 3M because of the downhill nature of that course. But still a lot of good races. I had 37 athletes from my group racing 3M. Wow. As I started to tally, I'm like, this is crazy. I didn't but have that many. <laughs> 37 athletes racing. And I was a mix of people racing. And, and I gave others an option to do a workout within the race if they had other races they're focused on. So a mix of those things. I still had, I think eight PRs out of those 37, which is solid, but a lot of people disappointed. And I told them, I said, Hey, look, you know, cause all of them want to know what does it mean in this weather to run yes. X? And I told them it means it was hot <laughs> and humid and move on. You know, Chris, I usually tell people that this course is two minutes fast, you know, somewhere between a minute and two minutes fast. Yeah. I think on Sunday it's, it was almost slow. Like yeah. it was at least an even, honest half marathon right. and maybe even slower than that um yep. yep yeah i mean i've got some athletes who i know is i know particularly what kind of shape they're in and you know they were a minute minute and a half you know jess who won the overall won the woman's overall award you know she ran 115 high and i thought she would be in the 113 high mid range with her race result there right so i was pretty surprised but then it all played out with almost every one of my other athletes that ran that day, that they were uh, near that near that position slower than I thought they would be. 
Yeah, so if you raced 3M and you PR'd, awesome, celebrate that. Probably means on a good day you could have gone faster. If you didn't get a PR and if you had a tough day, don't overthink it. Take your lessons and move on. The one thing for some of my athletes I had was there were some people that quit a little bit too early. Oh, it's the dreaded thing with you, Chris. Names, but, you know, it's like... the. Coach McClung not, is not, not happy about not everybody that. Everybody got everything they could out of the day, given the conditions. And look, I'm not going to throw stones at anybody. We all have those kinds of races where we want to just kind of let it go. But I want to make sure that if that was you, whether you run with me or not, that you also kind of take your lessons, your mental lessons from a tough day. Don't just chalk forward. it up to bad weather because yep. that course is fast enough that it shouldn't just be that. Yep. So. Take your mental lessons, mental training kind of elements and carry that forward with you, whatever those are. But overall, don't overthink it. So let's talk about the the top, the top six, top three men and women. We had kind of Austin and San Antonio represented here in the overall with Jace, jo, sorry, Joseph Whelan from San Antonio area. He ran a 109 to beat a rogue running athlete, team rogue athlete, Brian Morton, who ran 110. And then you had Michael Kurvach, a Spectrum Trail slash Rogue athlete who kind of does it all, finishing the podium on the men's side in 112. I thought he had a great, I thought he had a really good day. He has a trail ace, yes. but he had a really good day on the road. Impressive. And I know he wasn't happy with it. You could see it on his face. He was a hurting unit, but yeah, I, thought, I, was, I thought Mike he, ran he a really good race. He was more there than I've ever seen him. <laughs> yeah, you commented on that at 11 <laughs> miles when yeah. we saw him trucking by. But, I mean, that guy does it all. I've seen him win a mile race in 420. I've seen him do this half. I've seen him win our 30K trail series just blasting it. So, impressive result from Michael. Joseph and Brian, who got one, two, were kind of together for a while, and somewhere between what, ten and or eight and, Actually, 10, eight and ten and eleven, mm-hmm. they kind of separated. Joseph pulled away. When we saw those two at eleven, Joseph had about thirty-six seconds, I think it was, on Brian, and extended that lead over the final miles. As we saw Brian at eleven, he was definitely hurting, and he was in uh, training mode at that point. Yeah, he's he's Not building he's mode. building to Tokyo. Yes, <laughs> so you know. Uh, was using this as a build race to a, another A race. But anyway, good results really from all three in those conditions. And congrats to Brian and Michael from our communities for rounding out the podium there in two and three. On the women's side, Jessica Harper trains with Team Rogue 1 in 115. Really impressive result for her. She's also building to Tokyo. But I want to say... You know, whatever you can tell me how what she could have run, but I would say that was really impressive because she ran most of it by herself. That was the thing I was not expecting. Was I thought she would have a little more company. She was going to run with Jen Hall, who got second. Her her original pre race plan, which was not my plan for her, but she said I'm just going to run on her heels and then try to jet her at the end. But she couldn't wait, so she went at about three when I saw her at three. She was pulling away and just continued to put distance on the, that field and she was completely by herself. Um, Jess does a lot of her work by herself, her, a lot of her workouts by herself, but uh, she's a ferociously competitive woman who likes to, I like to get into races where she'll have competition because she usually shows up and runs well when she has other competition. So I think I, I was really happy with that result with where it sat, where she, how she chose to race it and, and how it plays out for what we're looking at with, uh, 
with um, Tokyo, I was even more excited because we had a really pr- kind of a one of our go-to workouts today, this morning, Chris, and Jess, I think she might have been running. I mean, she had a really good day there too. So it's she's yeah. we're, we're tracking. She's well. in a good spot. Yes. And for the record, when you and I saw her at eleven, there was a shirtless guy running in front of her. We we kind of both implored her to go get him. And if you look at the finishing straight, she yep. did in yeah. fact, because <laughs> he's behind her in that finished photo. So nice finish for Jess. Of the people I saw at mile 11, she looked, you know, like she was hurting, but that she she was keeping it together better than most. Yeah, the only athlete I coach who looked better than her was Katie Gwynn, who had an amazing day. Yes. I'm really excited for her Boston coming up. But yeah, yeah, Jess looked really strong and and usually she's in a lot more a lot more pain when i see her in races so i think there was more there yeah and jennifer hall she finished in 117 local austinite as well works at local running store ready to run as the manager there typically is known for running shorter races so i think this to run 117 on a, in tough conditions for her is impressive. Yeah, I thought she did really well for where she's at. I mean, she did have a, she did have her own personal pacer um, in JT Sullivan, who was it was was awesome for her to have that. It certainly makes things a little bit easier when you have another person there. But I think you know it's really interesting that her coach um, has her doing some of this longer stuff. I think it's uh, it bodes well for if she's moving up to the 5K, which it seems like there was a little bit of a move to do that last year, and it looks like they're a little being a little more serious about it this year because she ran the 10-miler, and her improve, her improvement from the 10-miler to here significant. was significant. Yep. Yes. Yep. And then rounding out the podium, Anita Perez from San Antonio, 119. Anita is an Olympic trials qualifier from 2016. Maybe even 2012. Maybe I think she might have been two, maybe two yeah. times. So she's an experienced marathoner, finished in 119 to round out the women's podium. She looked like she was having a little tougher day than than most. Maybe probably didn't get what she wanted on the day, but solid result nonetheless to get under 120 and finish in the top 20 overall. So very impressive all around, and especially – Good but tough days for a lot of our athletes. So congrats to all those that towed the line. And we look forward to our next big local race coming up soon, which is the Austin Full and Half Marathon, which we've already previewed the course, and we'll be talking those fields coming up soon in upcoming episodes. Okay, next on our current events list, Steve, we've got Tokyo Marathon coming up in February. It's the week after the Austin Marathon, which I think means it lands on January 25th, if I'm thinking about my calendar right. Yes. And in Tokyo, we finally have some answers for a couple of questions we've been asking for a while. One of them is, where is Amy Craig racing? Yeah, we asked that because how many like months we've ago? Asked that because yeah. she's not in Boston. We both speculated she was going to try to run a fast race somewhere, but we didn't know what it was. Well, we thought I even said that she might be hurt because we hadn't heard anything right. from her, and we thought maybe London, maybe whatever. So anyway, she's out as and saying she's seeking a fast time as we had hoped, and she's going to be in Tokyo on February twenty fifth. That's awesome! It's exciting. I I'm, I think I. Uh, the way that Amy Craig showed up at the Olympic trials in 2016 in LA, Chris, game changed. 
it really wasn't it really wasn't the world championship medal this year i don't i i i i think that's an an incredible recapitulation of what she's capable of but i thought it was the olympic trials that really truly in my mind put her in a place that i say she she is in my opinion someone is going to have to knock her off the 2020 olympic team in my opinion because she's a gamer, she shows up on the big day. It's not about fast times. But you and I both have talked about we need some fast times in order for her to be able because now it ain't it ain't it ain't weak sauce right. to make right. an Olympic team We've in got the US Hull, for the Hesse, US. Maybe Flanagan again, who knows? You've got Lyndon who's gonna be there. But don't forget, Steve, in twenty twelve in Houston at the Olympic trials, she was there, finished fourth place that yes. day, but she's the one that made the race, made a move some point around the 15 or 16 mile point to start stringing people out and everybody went with them that mattered Kara, Shalane and Desi and ultimately got the better of her that day but that in my mind sort of set the tone for her at the time she wasn't training with with Bowerman Track Club and Shalane and so when she made that move then it kind of put her on the map which and she's running with another baller because because Shalane has been a baller yeah, from and the now beginning. Now she's seen it from the best. Yes, and so that 2016 was really just a manifestation of what had started in 2012. And yes, she's a gamer, she's a baller, but she needs that fast time to prove, probably to others and to herself, that she can roll. If she's she just roll. she's not just a racer on, which at the end of the day is the most valuable thing That's at the trials matters, yeah. and the games. But it's not what we talk about with marathoning by itself so so amy hastings craig will be in tokyo going for a fast time and that'll be fun one to talk about i'm sure we'll have to preview tokyo now because the next thing about tokyo that we have to mention is that wilson kipsang is showing up there to try to go for a world record he has stated and it is a fast course i've got two of my faster athletes are going out to tokyo to try to run fast times it's it's conducive it's uh, well-supported. There'll be crowd support that is essential to running those kinds of fast times. And the competition is there now. It's going to be fast. It's going to, and they're going to pay, it's going to be paced appropriately. My guess is that Amy may even get her own pacer. Who knows how that all plays out. Right. So it's, uh, it's super exciting for Tokyo. What we're seeing now is every major marathon is turning into legit. A big show. It, our sport is only going to get better for this, Chris. Like, it's going to... Tokyo won't make ESPN, but Boston and London will. And if Tokyo does eventually, then maybe more races do, and more and more of these key, killer, kick-ass, marquee marathon events will be something that the national world media of, of, of sports shows. And once that happens our sport continues to raise up in a way that really was one of the reasons why you got started doing this podcast in the first place, wasn't it? It was one of our yep. secondary reasons for doing this was to try to boost it. Not that we're doing it, just that we're able <laughs> yeah, to we're part of it. push it. So two questions for Tokyo with regards to Wilson Kipsang. Going from New York to Tokyo after the DNF of Berlin, that's three marathons within about a six-month time frame. Now, he didn't finish Berlin. But he reloaded for New York, ultimately finished third, mm -hmm. right, in New York. Yep. Turning around to do Tokyo in February, still pretty quick turnaround, having been prepared for two two other marathons, you know, in the prior six months. 
Is that quick? Is that too quick? Does that worry you at all? So traditionally, we would be worried, but something's going on, Chris. And I'm not, I'm not saying it, nef- it from nefarious reasons. I'm not saying it's drugs. What I think is happening is that the money that's now in the sport has made people begin to rethink, and maybe we should all rethink what how many marathons are reasonable and what the human body is capable of doing. I will tell you this: if Wilson Kipsang gets within spitting of the Olympic of the world record, then we'll all we will all have to readjust and start to think about whether the twenty six point two mile distance is doing the kind of damage that we thought it was doing, and that we have a limited number of those. I think a lot of those things people have said just because they see that play out, not because there's any scientific reason for it. And I think that that's one of the exciting things is watching these athletes come back and come back and come back. Think about Sarah Hall. Sarah Hall. Think about uh, what's his name? I always forget the guy's name who won the Boston and then won the U.S. World Championship. Jeffrey Karui. Karui. We are rethink. We have to re- start to rethink these things. We th- we talked about it with Kipchoge. How could he go nearly sub two and still get back for Berlin? So I'm wondering now if maybe what we're I don't know. I'm just saying the jury's out. What I'm interested in think, thinking, what I'm interested in now is, let's, I'm not worried. Listen, we got 10 more Kip Sangs coming down the pike as a fan. I don't give two shits about Wilson Kip Sang. I'm excited for him. I want him to run well. I think it pushes, but to me, it's about pushing the envelope, stretching the envelope out, and watching it happen. And it only takes, these guys are astronauts, and the, because getting to the moon is the thing, and so they're chasing it. So now there's money, and there's real thing, and that's, again, what's going to bring ESPN back to the fold is they're going to see the human body doing things that no one thought was capable of doing, and it will bring our sport back because it is the original and the truest sport of all sports. And I, I don't know the answer to your question, but I'm saying what I say is that's some of the most intriguing stuff that's going on with it. So you're saying we'll see... And does that mean you think the world record could go down? I think Wilson Kitsang has all the skills necessary to do it. And I know that there is zero doubt that Tokyo will give him every resource that's possible within the IAAF's rulebook to do it. And so I think you're going to see as close to a sub a sub two scenario. And I think it's and they chose to go with they basically have one real serious contender. And what I think is Tokyo decided they couldn't get all the other guys. And what they've done is gone for the time. And I think Tokyo is going to put everything they have into the getting the world record for the men. And they you know, it's been held by, you know, a Europe, one or two European countries nearly de facto for a long time. And I imagine there's a bit of pride that they want to have to bring that back to have the world record, to have the race. world record on their race course. I also wonder, I'm sure he's getting a good payday, but I also wonder to what extent the weather is playing a, a role. Cause he talked about the damp conditions in Berlin, even though it wasn't necessarily that cold affected him causing his DNF and London can be damp because of that part of the world. So it's in Tokyo, I think is generally more of a dry scenario and the weather should be good. So I just also wonder if maybe that played into it in addition I'm to sure getting he's, a good I'm payday. sure he and his agent did their, did their, went to their farmers, farmers, farmers almanac and did the, what is, what is going on with weather? Yep. You know, it's a humid place, but there are times of the year there where things are beautiful. Like they're a lot like Austin in a way. They just, they just have a sh- narrow window of absolutely epically beautiful weather. And I think they, Tokyo obviously made the decision to make their 
weather conditions there to choose those dates for that. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm bullish. I think it's exciting. Wouldn't it be so cool for all those, for the guys at Boston and the guys at um, London to be a new world record on the books and them to have to show up and prove. Now, we're probably yeah. not going to see it at Boston. And even if we do, it doesn't really matter because they'll take it away from them like they did before. But um, anyway, it does bring, you know, we've been talking about how interesting it is that the U.S. marathons have been raising in profile because of the lack of pacing and everything. London can change that to where the challenge of, of the challenges of the Boston course and the challenges of the New York course will put them back in your only saving grace is that you're a marathon major because you're never going to run fast at those races or you're going to run fast and it won't count. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And it's exciting to have a, a real reason for Tokyo to be on the map. Traditionally, it's been a little under the radar in terms of marathon majors. Obviously, it's big in Asia, but as Americans, we don't typically follow that race. Certainly, it's not televised in the U.S. So, But now it's definitely one to watch. And so for the fans out there, yeah, I'm not prognosticating a, go a world record just for no, just for people. I know no, you're not. I'm just saying what it's I'm gonna, saying it's something is something to pay attention to. I would really, it would be, it would be, it will, it will. I just want to say, if that happens, watch out, world, because between now and 2020, we are going to see a new rapid fall of the world record again, of the order of a minute, a minute and a half. I think because, and it takes a race like that to set it off because. If it gets set off that way, then you have a month, a month and a half later, another chance at it with real players. Not that Kip Sang's a real player, but multiple real players in the game. And then you've got, after that, you've got a little bit of a window. Then you've got Chicago again. Does Chicago go after it? Because they've got the kind of course to do it. What happens at Berlin again? And then the arms, the arms race continues. All which is good for our sport, in my opinion. So if you're listening, look out for Tokyo, February 25th. And now, Steve, we're going to have to do a more thorough prediction set for that one as we get closer yes. to the race yes. and have a full view of the field so stay tuned for that now we're going to dive into our topic which as we said at the top is basically to tee up our mental training series and put it into practice real life examples with real life athletes we're going to be talking to a couple of athletes today talking through their statement of purpose both of these athletes are from our podcast training group and so we're hoping through these examples to give you some information that you can use to apply that statement of purpose concept in your own life. So here we go. Our first athlete will be Lee from our podcast training group. Welcome, Lee, to the Running Rogue podcast. As we mentioned in the intro, Lee is one of our training podcast training group members currently gearing up for the Boston Marathon in April. How are you doing, Lee? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. We haven't met in person, but we will in Boston, which is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as I was saying a minute ago, we had a near miss. I almost uh, got down to run with you guys in Austin just after Christmas, but uh, my in-laws talked me into going to the Broken Spoke the night before, so... There was no you made a you made a great choice there. You <laughs> made a cool. great choice there, Lee. I learned the two steps, so that was pretty good. <laughs> yes, that very, is an iconic location, man. There's nothing there. Those don't those kinds of honky tonks don't exist anymore. And the fact that it does is one of the reasons why Austin, Texas, is so badass. Yeah, my brother-in-law was quite proud to take us there. I think it was it was fun. 
But if you're back in Austin, no excuses next time. Absolutely. And we'll certainly meet in Boston in April. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. As we kind of teed up in the intro today, we're talking with Lee and others about their purpose and trying to get to more of a practical application of some of the concepts that we laid out with our mental training series. To start off, Lee, I just want to give people a little background on you. Start with your running journey. How did you get into running? How has it evolved for you over time? Oh, gosh. Um, so I probably, the first time I went on like an actual run, I was probably eight, nine, 10 years old, um, right about when my dad started trying to lose weight. I would, <laughs> I would go for a run with him, you know, one, two, three miles. And we would just head out around a really small town and get a couple of small runs in. But, um, you know, at that age, I played mostly soccer, baseball, and basketball. I think a lot, a lot of people do. And uh, didn't even really know what a track team or a cross-country team was until, you know, mid-freshman year in high school. Um, and somebody basically made me a $20 bet that I wouldn't make it through one week of track practice uh, that they lost. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, I was hooked in, basically. Um, but uh, my freshman year in track, I was the slowest runner on the team, bar none. Um, it wasn't, I mean, <laughs> it was terrible. I got my $20 worth. Yes, uh, no doubt about it. Um, but somewhere along the line, I think I hit a growth spurt and I kind of stuck with it and I um, got to be a pretty good runner. Um, I had the chance to uh, run for St. Louis University in college um, when they were sort of a, not a brand new program, but a pretty new program. And, uh, you know, the rest is sort of history. Uh, a little bit off and on uh, after college with career and things like that. But uh, boy, the last I don't know, the last 10 years or so, I've been really uh, pretty consistent with, with running. I, I'm pretty close to, uh, unless I'm injured, I'm, I'm, I'm out there running, that's for sure. Talk a little bit about your racing since, since college. Yeah, um, so, you know, so I graduated from college in, in 1999, and um, so I don't know if I was oblivious at the time or if things really have changed, but it seems like, or it feels like now when you graduate from college, there are a lot more groups out there, a lot more running stores and things like that, where you can latch on and really catch on with some fast uh, runners and train for big things. But when I graduated from college, um, I kind of just floundered. I didn't know anybody else who was running really anymore because, you know, they, my friends had sort of moved away and I raced five K's here and there. And, um, at some point, uh, I did latch on to the marathon and really started to, I got the idea of trying to qualify for Boston, which took me one or two tries. And uh, since, um, you know, in the last 10 or so years, I've run, you know, 11 marathons or so. Um, and so my focus is primarily marathoning, but I do, you know, occasionally get in a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon, probably once, twice, maybe three times a year. Uh, something like that. But uh, I've got two small children and a wife and it, it's tough to use up a Saturday morning uh, consistently, you know, and run 20 races a year or something like that. So I sneak them in when I can. So you've had some injury history over the last few training cycles. What's that like for you? Uh, really frustrating. Uh, but, uh, you know, you learn from it. So I just had uh, over the past year, uh, just probably the worst luck with injuries. Um, 
but you learn to sort of put your head down and plow through a little bit, learn from your mistakes and really appreciate when you're feeling good, um, which I am right now, frankly. So um, it makes me all the more happy uh, to be where I am is to deal with those injuries. I've had a bunch of them this past year, though. And talk a little bit about before we get into your purpose, talk a little bit about your current goals for the marathon. What do you want to accomplish now, maybe in this Boston and then down the road? Yeah. Um, so I think when I started with this training group, uh, which has been awesome, by the way, I'm going to give you guys kudos on that. Um, we, you know, when I, not to sideline, but when I signed up, I wasn't sure if I was just throwing money away or something. Cause I just, like I said, I'd run a bunch of marathons and I'm a pretty fast guy. So I wasn't sure what I was going to get out of it. Um, but it has far exceeded my expectations just for the record. Uh, you guys have been great. Um, and the, the Facebook training group has been great. Uh, I've really gotten a lot of value out of it, uh, just as an aside. Um, but when we started, uh, you know, I, th- I thought I could probably get back under 250 shape by the time Boston rolled around, which is about, you know, 630 miles or something like that. Um, my PR is uh, 245 low, uh, which is like two or three, like three years ago. And uh, so I thought if I got back under 250 shape and then maybe be um, – be able to take a stab at a PR early in 2019, uh, maybe late in 2018, and then uh, still with the ultimate goal of um, going under 240. So Chris and I uh, share a lot uh, when it comes to timing and apparently uh, children's. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just basically do everything that I would do for Chris for you. So yeah, yeah. it'll make it easy for you, Lee. <laughs> yeah, <thank you. laughs> but do you wear half tights a lot? No, that's the real question. <laughs> or are you a split short guy? What are you long? You're seven inches, five inches. Where no, you I, roll? How you roll? I wear, the, I wear the short ones when I'm racing. It's got to be pretty <laughs> cold out if I'm put some tights on. <laughs> All right. So as far as the sides go, that's the kind I like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're shooting for 250 for Boston this time, but hopefully getting to 240 at some point. Yeah. And really, honestly, the way the training has gone and a lot of the splits I've been hitting, um, knock on wood, as long as I can stay healthy, I think I'm going to be closer to 245 than I am to 250. Honestly, I, I feel like I'm in on my way to, you know, a 246 or so finish depending on the day. So we'll see. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, you never plenty know. Of work, plenty of work to do. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into the purpose. And one of the things just by way of background, we asked everybody to do with that podcast training group is actually write their statement of purpose and share it with the group. So Lee, you posted this, what would have been now a month ago or so to you, your kind of your stated purpose to the group. And so I'm going to have you read what you wrote to the podcast audience, and then we'll kind of jump into it. Sure. Uh, it's a little nerve wracking to read online, but, um, so my statement of purpose, um, as I posted online, I said, I think this really should be two questions because I think there are two types of runners out there. Uh, so the first question is, why do you run, in my opinion? And then my answer was, running is one of the very few things uh, that make me feel weak and strong at the same time. Uh, I love everything about running, even the, the injuries and the disappointments. Um, and for me, it's a metaphor for life. So I really, um, I really feel that way. I feel like the ups and downs of life uh, can all be sort of looked at in a, in a smaller way 
you know, through your running progression. Um, the second thing I had there was, why do I train? And to me, that's a different question because I think a lot of people go out and run, you know, four or five miles a day, three or four times a week and great for them. You know, like uh, that's awesome. And, uh, I consider those people runners for sure, but you know, they might just jump into a 5k and if they run 25 minutes or 35 minutes, it doesn't matter. Uh, but for me, I train and I try to try to run really fast. Um, so my answer to that question was I set high goals and most of the time I don't quite meet them, but when I do, uh, there's, there's really nothing better. Um, it's the reason I accept a certain amount of failure as a prerequisite to nailing that sort of one beautiful goal. Uh, so I train because I want to learn, I want to be better than I thought I was before the race or before the preparation for the race even. Um, and, and that doesn't mean just as a runner, but as a person as well. Nice. Thank you for sharing. Sure. I know it, I know it takes a lot to be vulnerable within a group of what 27, I think on our training team. Well, and now in a podcast to 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 over 2000 people that will (laughs) listen to this episode in the first few weeks. So thank you for sharing before we jump in. I'm going to let, and I'm going to let Steve kind of drill in initially, but I have just one question or clarifying question. You know, now that you've sat on this for about a month since you wrote it, Is there anything you would refine or modify or add based on mulling on this a bit over the last month? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to say uh, back to sort of the metaphor for life thing. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I had a completely different reason for running as to when I was, you know, 18 versus 20 versus 25 versus now I'm 41 years old. Um, and it's really an accumulation. And, and I mean, it goes all the way back to, I mean, my father's still alive and I, I'm really, uh, you know, I love him and everything, you know, but I do feel a connection with him when I go out for a run. I think about those, you know, one and three mile runs with my dad where we would race the last hundred meters. And, and now I, you know, I run with my daughters from time to time. And I think there's really uh, just something beautiful about that. And, and so whenever I need uh, sort of whatever I need, I can I can tap into it because I've been doing this for so long. So if I need to toughen up, I can think about some tough times. If I need to feel sappy and soft, I can talk about my dad and my daughters. And uh, I really can just draw uh, anything I want from, from my experiences running. So I think it's just, it's awesome. I love it. All right. So now the tough part comes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Chris always likes to set me up to be the bad guy, but I'm pretty fucking good. I'm pretty fucking good at it. So I'll just take it from here. The first thing I said, when we we got, when when Chris gave me the uh, basic outline of, you know, we went, we've got two others that we're going to be doing this with too, Lee. So don't, don't feel too bad. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to gang up on everybody. But honestly, there's a lot of stuff here. That's really awesome. But my first statement to Chris was, I like to hit, fastballs, hardballs, softballs, wiffle balls don't excite me too much. Right. And this is sort of a wiffle ball to me. Like you, you're you're, the depth of what you're, you're describing here is when I hear you read it, I feel a lot more than what I saw when I saw it on paper. And I think what you have here is like the very beginnings, uh, the, the, basically you have in here that where we're going to get to at the end of this discussion, but it's very intriguing to me that you set this up in two different pieces. One is why you run and one is why you train. And ultimately, in a lot of ways, when I first started this into idea of doing statements of purpose, I did it with my post-collegiate athletes at 
with with Rogue. And um, it was a lot of it was because I couldn't get them to I couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing or why they were doing what they were doing. And you've blasted through that with what you've written here. It's really good from that perspective. But it's more of a like you said, the very beginning is a little bit of a philosophical treatise about who you are as a human being, which is all great and wonderful. Right. But as Chris and I will talk about with every one of the athletes that we do this with, is that what you're going to rely on at mile 22 at Boston when you're trying to run the time that you're trying to run? And when you get to the race, wherever it is that you're going to try to go sub 240, is what you're going to reach back on are those two things, the two things that you just described? Or is it going to be more in that second area where you say, why do I train? Because I set high goals and it pushes me. So what I'm going to ask you here is like, what when it really gets to nut cutting time, when the real shit hits the fan, can you think a little bit more about how you would frame that if it were a, you know, a five syllable statement or even a, a thing running through your head? Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. And, and I would certainly tell you that, you know, mile 22 of a, of a tough day, uh, I am not thinking about sunshines and rainbows at that point, <laughs> right? Uh, like, like in the first part of the question, you know, um, and I'm not thinking about my daughters or my dad. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of cuss words <laughs> and, and trying to figure out how I'm going to get to the next mile marker. Um, and I think really, um, you know, that's where, that's where the second part of the question or the second part of my answer comes into play. And so a lot of times I think when it gets really tough, I mean, I'm, I'm cussing a lot at myself and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I didn't, I didn't get up at 4am, uh, you know, to, to, to pansy out now, you know, getting up 4am on the cold winter days and, and, and running around in circles in the dark, uh, so that I could be a wimp at mile 23. And I, I really do reflect on those things a lot. And maybe the real question is, why am I getting up at 4 a.m. in the first place? Bingo. <laughs> bingo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so, you know, that's a tough question to answer uh, why I do it. I mean, um, it's funny because you asked this question and uh, I grew up in a really small town in a rural area. And so um, when I go back home, a lot of people don't have any clue why I'm doing whatever the hell it is I'm doing. Right. So, uh, so I don't talk about it much, but when I do, I get a lot of confused looks and they're like, why, why are you doing again? And, um, a lot of times the best answer I can give them just to move on, uh, to talk about football or something is that, Hey, you know, why do beavers build dams? You know, cause it's what they do. And it's kind of like, that's my answer. It's I, I get up in the morning and run cause it's kind of what I do. I get up and do it. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough, really tough question to answer why I get up and do those things. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like I have things to prove to myself. Um, you know, I uh, it's hard to, and maybe you guys can relate to this. I don't know much about your running histories either, but uh, you know, don't, I, I always look back and feel like I could have been a little bit better than I was in high school or in college or at any given time. And uh, I really just don't want to feel that way. Like when I'm 60, I don't want to look back and think, boy, when I was 40, I could have really done X, Y, or Z. So I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste my time at it. All right. This this is going to sound really terrible. And you're going to be like, no, it's not true. But what I'm going to tell you is you do this because you're a fucking badass and you know it. (laughs) But you really can't go out there and tell a whole. No, you, you know you are down deep. But you just are trying to constantly trying to prove it. And you're trying to show people that that's the case. It could be the flip. You know, there's the other side of that is where 
I'm not, but I want to prove that I am. But I kind of think you already know you are. So one of the things that's really interesting, Chris and I talked about this offline before we got with you, is one of the ways that might help you with this is to explore, actually going back to that first answer you had, you said a few. there are a few, very few things that make me feel weak and strong at the same time. Yeah. And maybe it would be valuable for you to kind of just in a short term and a kind of in is in, is to kind of tell Chris and I a little bit about what that means, because I think that will help both of us. Chris is chomping at the bit, by the way, to get jumping in here. But yeah. I, I, we, I know that he'll agree with me that we need to get this out. Like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by make, what makes me feel weak and strong at the same time? Oh, I mean, if you think about all the most important things in your life, um, they can make you feel weak and strong at the same time. I mean, you know, if I go back to my family, my daughters, my wife, um, you know, if you're into religion, a lot of people will say that about God. I mean, um, you just and when I when I'm talking about running and specifically, I mean, some of the workouts that I'm doing uh, or even just the time I wake up, I get up and I feel like dog shit and I'm out there running and I finish it up and I want to collapse on the sidewalk and then I get home, you know, and I feel weak, you know, when I'm doing that. But an hour later, uh, you know, you want to bang on your chest a little bit and say, Jesus, look what I just did there. That was, that was awesome. You know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and some, some days if I'm having a good day, uh, I can be running just as hard, but uh, I feel like I could conquer the world, right? Um, and you just, there's not many things you can say that about. I mean, uh, I think the list is pretty short. So um, I think it makes it special. Now we're getting to the good stuff, Steve. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. We're digging underneath, which is the important part. I mean, one thing I'm hearing in this, Lee, and I think Steve touched on it a little bit. It's like you're trying to prove that you're a badass and you know, his hypothesis is that you already know that. And I think that's true too. I think, you know, I think you know you're a badass. I'm hearing a little bit of you're trying to prove that to yourself. And maybe you, you know it in your head and in your heart, but you want to see it on a result sheet. I want some proof. Yeah. Yeah. That's and fair. there might be some races. If you really go back to college at St. Louis University where you left some things on the table or you didn't get the most out of it for whatever reason, it could be bad day, it could be you didn't train as hard as you think you should have then and you found discipline since, but sure. maybe you're trying to like redeem yourself a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely some of that. Um, you know, when I was at SLU, we were a pretty low mileage um, program uh, and I didn't really know any better. I mean, I... I had, I wish I wish I could go back and have you know about half of the knowledge uh, as I have today when it comes to training and rest and things like that um, and racing. But uh, I was just kind of an idiot doing whatever my coach told me to do and nothing more, nothing less. And uh, not to say my coach was an idiot, but I just didn't think about it. You know, I just did whatever, um, and I never really expressed uh, outwardly that hey, I. I can run more. I want to do more. I want to see what else we can do. I, I want to really push it to the limit and maybe get hurt once or twice just so I can see where the ceiling is. Like I didn't, I never really got hurt in college. I was, I was totally fine, but, uh, but that was at 60 miles a week, but if I run 90 miles a week or something like that. So um, yeah. So there's just some questions. I, you know, I'll never get the answers to them, but um, at least maybe I can avoid those same questions down the line about uh, where I am now. See, to me, that's where the meat is. You know, it's like, 
and I think it's interesting that you split it into two questions. I understand why you did initially when I read it. I'm like, it's not really two questions. It's one question, but really it's a more, you're answering now, we're now answering the more specific question, which is like, why do you run to achieve a certain goal? Yeah. He first started with philosophy and man, I, I, I do think that you go back there a lot, Lee. And I think without that first answer, to that first question, the second one for many people sounds, it's almost like the conversation you had, you know, why does, what was it? Why do beavers make dams? Right. Yeah. I can't yeah. explain it to you. So it's easier for me to tell you that my dad made, my dad had me start and my daughters are keeping me doing it. Blah, blah, blah. And those are real, real things. I don't want to make them seem small. They're really, and they're real motivators and they are real motivators, but that's not like I asked what's going to get you through at 22. He's not trying right. to run 240 to prove something to his daughters. No, well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to run 240 to prove something to my sons. It's nice that my, activity and running influences them in ways where they want to go do a 5k or something that's a nice cool thing but that's not that's a gift right that's a gift at least not now it's not the reason right and he and what you're finding now is that i mean i do think ultimately you want to be on the edge and you want to be testing the edge of what you're made of and you're stealing time from the rest of your life to do this thing. Now, of course, you're not stealing from your wife. You're not stealing from your kids. You're not stealing from your job. You're not stealing from other communities that you're in. You're stealing from your sleep. You're sleeping from your social life. You're stealing from other things. And the return of that, what you're giving is coming back to you greater than what you're giving. It seems to this point, even with your injuries, even with the ups and downs you've played in, correct? Absolutely. Um, and I would even say not in spite of my injuries, but because of them. I mean, uh, I look back on them as, 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 a, as a reason I appreciate what I, what I can do now. You know, um, I think if, if I'd never gotten injured, I, I might not really want to push further and see if I could do better. You know, it's a little bit of a slap in the face when my body betrays what I think I can do. And so I try to turn around and say, well, we'll see about that, you know, and try to try to end around what I did last time and and do better. That's yes, that's honestly, Lee, that's what it takes to be great. So the good news is you're on the right track. I have one more thing I want to ask before Chris and I get into more of prescriptive, right? It's the last thing you write here is that you train because you want to be better than you thought, than you thought you were before the race. Um, And then you added back to the philosophy on the top is not just as a runner, but honestly at 22 miles, you're not asking who you are as a man. You're asking who you are as a man, as a runner in that moment. So one of the, the last question I have for you is that thing of better than I thought I was, you wrote it that way, maybe in not thinking of it exactly, but you didn't say, I want to be better than I was before it, but better than you thought you were. And that doesn't sound, I'm not, I want to see if you mean by that. I want to see what you mean by that to make sure that I don't read too much into that <laughs> word that you used there because I, I'm about to jump there, but I'm realizing maybe I should make sure that you feel that way before. Otherwise there'll be a long, uncomfortable silence that occurs. 
Well, I mean, there's there's the obvious translation, right? Where if you go into a race thinking you can run a 245 and you run a 244, that's better than you thought you could do. And that happens um, often enough, right? But, um, and that's part of it, no doubt, right? I mean, you go in and you think you can run X and you run um, a little bit faster than that. And that's great. But there's, like you said, at mile 22, uh, even when I was in high school, I thought about 5Ks. Um, and I decided at some point, I couldn't tell you when, but, um, I sort of realized that even in a 5k, there's always some spot in the middle of the second mile where you make a conscious decision to either run a good race or a shitty race. Um, you either give up or you kind of press down a little bit. Um, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you think you're going to give up and, and die and you don't, you press down instead, and you, you just come out on the other side going, wow, that was uh, that was kind of transcendent. That was great, you know, and, um, usually the time will bear that out at the end of the race. Um, but sometimes it doesn't even matter. So I don't know. Is there self doubt in there? Lee? Always, always. (laughs) Um, my wife makes fun of me because, um, you know, if I, if I get, if I get sick or injured or something like that and I take a month off or whatever it is, um, and I go back for that first run. Um, I, I, I never step out the door thinking I'm going to be even able to cover five miles or three miles or whatever that first run's going to be. And I come home and I'm like, Oh, I can still do it. And I, I'm saying that very genuinely, like, I guess I can still run. And, and Laura shakes her head and she's like, you're an idiot. Of course you can still go run, you know? So, <laughs> at some level, Steve, he is trying to prove to himself that he's a badass. Yeah, I think that's what I said. I, I thought, but I do think that there is. Uh, this is what happens with athletes that competed at the high school, at, well, at the collegiate high school level, and whether or not Lee, you got out of what you wanted collegiately, you knew what the standard of greatness was because that's what the collegiate athletic system. demands of you. And so you walked away as I walked away from my running career as a collegiate athlete and I did really well, but I still felt like I didn't achieve the thing I wanted. And, um, so there was always that got to prove, got to prove, got to prove piece there. Um, but I do think your experience from before means that, you know, you know what you know, and that, that I know that sounds a little cheesy, but <laughs> Very I nice. think you know what I'm saying, right? Like when you stand on a starting line, you can look around really quickly and decide and know. Like Chris doesn't really know what he doesn't know what he doesn't know, but he's learned a whole lot and he's really, but he doesn't have it from the time he was, you know, in ninth grade and then 10th grade and 11th grade where it just eats into your bones and seeps into who you are as a human being. I mean, there's no way to come away from the high school and collegiate running at those levels and then continuing to do it without having it always be sort of a a referendum on who you are as a human being and what you're made of as a person. So, but I still think, you know, you're, you're good at this and that you, that's why you continue to do it. You're a warrior who wants to go out and fight a battle, not necessarily to prove, but to say, to prove that you still can swing the sword and do damage. And so that's a mix of trying to prove, but also knowing you're worthy of being there with, with and racing against and with those other athletes. Um, that's really cool, man. It's like, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, Chris, where do we want to go from here? So we've, we're now done with the warm fuzzies. Let's, let's get down to, <laughs> well, I think, 
think we're triangulating around at least our reading and through the discussion triangulating around what we think it might be we're having a lot of eye language too there's a lot of us looking at each other across the table that you can't I mean, see lee uh, puts me at a disadvantage <laughs> this, this is the part i mean this is so fascinating to me for those listening and hopefully you, you know you're kind of enjoying this because I mean, this is the part of the purpose creation that is so important, which is testing it against the coach, testing it against other people, because it has to pass the bullshit meter. Not that you had a bunch of bullshit in here, Lee, you didn't. But as I think we're kind of triangulating around this discussion, the words to me change on the page, you know, for you, based on what we're talking about here. And, And yeah, all these things you put down are right at some level for you. But I think we're getting a little bit more to brass tacks. So what are you hearing and how is your thinking on purpose evolving as we've had this discussion? Um, well, I mean, well, that's, that's a, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, but, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I, I think part of it too, writing the statement down, um, you know, felt a little bit like a, like a writing assignment from, from my college professor or something. And in some ways, you know, like I, I never liked English class, but you, you could figure out what your professor wanted to hear and you could write that in there and get an A on your paper type of thing. Um, and, and even though I wanted to write down things that were truthful, I wanted to sort of keep it under five pages for sure. Uh, because that would have been a boring podcast if I had to read all of that and, uh, and, and try to, be succinct with it. But I think if you're, if you're going to write a statement of purpose, that's, you know, a paragraph or two. And if it's a big deal, uh, it's tough to squeeze in there. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, how that has evolved in our conversation, I think there's definitely some, some things that you guys pointed out that I might not have said on my own. Right. Uh, you mentioned, you know, deep down, you know, you're a badass, but I want, I want some proof. Right. I want some proof that's, acceptable to me. I mean, uh, I'm sure lots of people would look at some of my times and go, well, you, yeah, clearly you're a badass, but I kind of look at them and go, well, could have been a little faster here. Could have, you know, whatever. Um, so there's some of that for sure that I think you guys are pretty astute at pointing out. So, um, can I take a stab at it? <laughs> and yeah. you, it doesn't have to be right, but I just want to throw out a statement to you and see how it resonates. And look, we may not, we're not going to solve this here. You're going to have to reflect on this and uh, maybe refine it. But again, going back to the idea that we want you to have something that you can latch onto at mile 22 of this race where you're going for 240 and seconds are on the line Yeah. in those last four miles. We That's what we're striving for here. So something that you viscerally respond to and and I think, and we can make the words more beautiful. It's some version of, I set high goals and I prove, I do it to prove to myself that I can achieve them. So it's kind of part of what you're saying, but it's like, you're basically trying to prove to yourself that your goals, you're worthy of the goals you have for yourself. How does that yeah, resonate? I, I think it does. I mean, um, in, in my mind, uh, I'm a 240 marathoner who just hasn't run a 240 yet. I mean, I, you know, so I have to, if I'm going to walk around thinking that and I, and I don't do it on some level that makes me a liar. Uh, and I, and I don't, I'm not real comfortable with that. So, um, I'd, I'd like to just tell the truth. To- <laughs> well, Lee and I'm your, I'm your coach now. 
And so Chris and I are your coaches and I don't want you to be a liar either. Cause that's yeah. the thing I hate most in my athletes. Failing is okay. Lying. I am not a fan of. <laughs> so there you go. That, I mean, that may even be a better way to put it. It's like yeah. I set goal, high goals. I know I can achieve them and I don't want to be a liar about it. Yep. So here's another way to think about it. I've got a, I've said this a couple of times on the, the general podcast, but I don't think I've said it in quite this way. There's a, uh, a, another somebody I have a podcast I listen to, which is weird magic stuff. But this guy, he's his what his quote is, is my favorite. If it's real, it can take the pressure. And it comes from a Terrence McKenna quote. But it's that's what we're asking for in your statement of purpose right now. So now as you think about what we've shared with you, Lee, what yeah. you want to do is you want to go back to this project. And instead of looking at it as an English assignment mm-hmm. and in all true. So one other thing I want to say, you know, you were making some caveats there about your presentation of it and everything else, you know. Yeah. And also when you were writing it for a Facebook group that you didn't know any of those people in, and it was really early on. And it's super scary to get naked in that kind of a crew. If I asked my team road group to do this, who've been training together for three, five, seven, 10 years together, they'd be a lot easier. It'd be a lot easier for them. So I understand, I want to make sure our listeners know there's a reason why you did all this stuff, but to go back to it is ask yourself at the end of rewriting this statement of purpose, however it turns out, whatever tips you hear from Chris and I is ask yourself, can it take the pressure because you want to go back to that at 22, 20, 22, as Chris will share. He did as he shared with us on his last, on the last yeah, podcast, how, 16, yeah. how he went there with his statement of purpose and went back to, he did it because of his people and you want to make sure it can handle the pressure. So our suggestion now is go back, rewrite this. And maybe Chris, that's the last episode of this is, bringing our, our, back our them on. back on for a short five, you know, 10 or 15 minute, like, okay, now read us your statement of purpose and let's clap our hands and say, yeah. Right. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got some homework, Lee, but we'll, 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 we'll take the pressure off and, uh, and also, you know, let you off the hook a little bit so you can go refine, but hopefully you learn some things in, you know, in terms of refining it to kind of pull out the real, the real meat, the real, thing that's going to matter at those late stages in the race when 240 is online. Yeah. Okay. And to be clear to everyone, Lee, you did awesome. Actually, <laughs> for for actually Chris and I were really like there this might be this might be a tough one to start with, but um I think you're very clear on what your goals are and that's a big difference for people. Chris and I found that when we ask people to give their statement of purpose and if they don't have a clearly delineated goal, it's very difficult for them to wrap their minds around this process. But you were really able to articulate your first statement was, I'm going to articulate what my actual goals are. And I think that also allows you to distill this a little bit more clearly. So thank you for being our first. You were, you you did a, you did a great job. And and the only reason we push for refinement is because we want to be helpful and because we're going to see you in Boston and we're going to talk to you afterwards, hopefully at the Black Rose. Yes. And, you know, we're going to talk about how all of this is relevant because it really matters for your training. It's it not does. just an exercise we do just for our shits and giggles. Right. Yeah. And for you to get famous for being on a podcast. Well, this, you know, I, I'll, I'll confess, I, I haven't told anybody that I'm going to be on this podcast yet because I wasn't sure how it's going to go. So, <laughs> so I was nervous. Well, you can still, your secret's, your secret's safe with us. 
but that's probably not going to hold true for the podcast group. However, you choose, however you choose to push that out for the rest of the world is up to you, brother. I'll have to give it a listen next week and see how I come off. (laughs) Awesomely. Very well done. Thank you for joining us. And hopefully we'll bring you back on once we have it refined. All right, cool. All right. That was our discussion with Lee. Now we're going to turn to a dissimilar discussion with Amanda, also from our podcast training group. And then we'll come back at the end and just wrap up a few takeaways for those that are listening. Here we go. Welcome, Amanda, to the show. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing well. Amanda, as we mentioned at the top, is also one of our podcast training group members. She's training for the Coastal Delaware Marathon on April 22nd with us and has been an awesome contributor so far in our debates on the Facebook forum. So thank you for that. <laughs> sure. As we jump in, Amanda, wanted to start with just a little bit of background on you. How did you get into this running thing and what does it mean to you now? Okay. Well, I got into running. I, well, I grew up as a soccer player. I played competitive soccer um, starting at like nine um, through high school. Um, and then I, when I went to college, I ran pretty much to keep in shape. I just, I liked it, but wasn't really training for anything. Um, I got married in 2007 and had this strong desire to run a marathon just for the, just to see if I could do it. Um, and I drug my husband and actually both of my parents to sign up with me. Um, and we trained with team and training. Um, and so I ran my first marathon in 2008 and we crossed the finish line and I was like, that was awesome. And I couldn't wait to do it again. Um, the other three were not, not loving it. And they were like, that's great. We're done. <laughs> like, you have fun with that. Check. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so yeah, I, from there just started learning more about running, learning more about training with, you know, uh, go out daily for my runs and just really enjoyed that time. Um, I was progressing and I was getting faster and um, I liked that. I liked working hard and and seeing improvement and achieving different things and set a goal to qualify for Boston um, and did that and ran my first Boston in 2014 Um, and then have just been running and finding races and going with with friends to races or um, going to different places that I want to travel to and doing races there ever since. So. so your current PR is 308. What do you want to accomplish with Coastal? Um, my big goal is sub three. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes just, you did. Just did. And I'm glad you did because you haven't mentioned that goal, I think, to this point on the group. So that's, that's, that's interesting and cool. So want to get under three, tell, tell the audience a little bit about your life outside of running. I know you've got two kids and yes. what do you do? What, what's your family like? So, um, I'm married. We live in Allen, Texas and I have two kiddos. One is in kindergarten. She is six and my other daughter is two and a half and I get to stay at home with them. So that's a really, uh, really fun job. Um, and I run really early in the mornings because I run before everybody gets up and the day gets going. Um, yeah. 
fun and important and hard. <laughs> Some Especially days are definitely harder than others. <laughs> so if you joined our podcast group, you were listening to our podcast before that, right, Amanda? Before yes. the, the general one that we're on now. Yes. And did how many, so you know the term command performance. Yes. Um, how many of those marathons that you've run would you consider you sort of looked at from a command performance standpoint? Oh, that's a great question. Um, probably four. Um, when I was first going for my first BQ, um, and then when I, there were several races after that that I was trying to like just kind of whittle down my PR. Um, and then CIM in December, I was going for a command performance and uh, kind of backfired for me, but uh, I went for it. <laughs> and where'd you run your 308? CIM. The so, year before or this year? No, this year. So it's kind of funny. Okay, so you still uh, got the PR. You've said, you've said something uh, similar to this, um, that sometimes you get a PR and it doesn't feel great. Like when you know that it wasn't well executed or just you know, it wasn't ran well. And so that's pretty much how I feel for CIM. Like it is a PR for me, but it wasn't well executed. And so um, it's kind of hard for me to celebrate it. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. You're cut from the same cloth as we are. That's probably why you <laughs> like our podcast. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> so awesome. You're bouncing back from that, which is cool. So let's get to the purpose. So read for us. And just like with Lee, who we've already talked to, and we've had you prepare this statement of purpose, post it into our fo our Facebook group for the podcast training group with a bunch of strangers that you didn't know at the time and are still getting to know. And so read what you wrote there about what have been about a month ago okay. to represent your purpose. Okay. I run because I like working hard towards a goal. I like pushing to be better, working harder for what I want to get the very best from myself. I love the process of training, putting in the work, and seeing improvements along the way. I have learned so much about life and myself through the journey and always want to continue learning. Running is a place of peace, a place of freedom to be completely myself, a place to process my thoughts, a place to pray, a place to be with friends or to be alone. Thank you for reading. Thank you for sharing. So first question, which will be an easy one, is since you've written that, and now reading it back, is there anything you would change, add, or modify? I think that it it's two different things because it's like there's a why I run and then why I train. And I think those are maybe two different things. So I, I think I might maybe cut down. I mean, why I run is a completely different reason than why I train, if that makes sense. Articulate that. Um, well, running, when I talk about it being a place to be with friends or a place to be alone, a place to think, I mean, that's just, that's just running, um, just going out there for the sheer enjoyment of, of being outside and, um, being on the road. Um, and then training is, you know, you're working hard, you're working towards something, there's a purpose, um, and seeking some type of achievement. So in what you wrote, what do you think is most relevant for that part of it? For the training piece? For the training piece, for the goal aspirational piece. 
I think getting the very best from myself to work hard to get the very best of myself. So what does that mean to you? Um, I think to prove to myself what can be done. I, I think I go back and I, I was thinking about this and I go back and there was a time when I had early started running and I had, I had stated that I wanted to try to BQ. And I remember somebody telling me, Oh man, I don't, I don't know. Like you got to shave a lot of time off. And so for me, I thrived on that doubt that like, Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so just that, like, it's always been in the back of my head of just like, watch me, I will do this. And maybe it's going to take a little time, but I'm going to do it. Um, What was your first marathon time? My very first marathon time was 4.59. Wow. <laughs> oh, so you're, you're working on two hours almost off of that, which is awesome. So it's really interesting, Amanda, because we, we just did this with Lee, and I'm not sure what order we're going to plug all this in when we do the podcast, but we're, we freelance and we roll with as we go. Yours and Lee's are so similar, but we're written in such a different fashion. Isn't that true, Chris? Like the... It's the same thing, but in very written in just different ways. And I don't. Well, and I also think it sounds the same maybe after this kind of just first start with Commanda, but I think it's actually very different once we drill under it. So I think so too. Let's I get do. There. I do. I, I agree. I agree. So carry on, Chris. Carry on. Well, you're in your, you're, you're feeling it. So I'm going to let you continue to feel it. Keep well, rolling. I just want to ask about so obviously at some level in this journey, you were trying to prove to someone else that you could do something they didn't think you could do or to a a hater as Steve referenced. Somebody said, (laughs) yeah, there's no way you're going to qualify for Boston. That's, I mean, shoot, that would have been, I don't know at the time, but it would have been at least an hour and 20 minutes off of your first marathon time in order to get under that BQ, maybe an hour and 25 minutes. Right. Right. Depending on what standards you were going after. Yeah. Like three thirty-five. Yeah. So, and that then makes me ask the question, what else in your life where is, where do you, do you have another story like that in your life where people are like, you can't do X outside of running? Um, or from childhood perhaps, or, you know, I mean, I think of, I think of too, like, um, coming out of college and entering the workforce and just com- like working, working my way up, right. My working hard to achieve different goals. And, um, I worked in an industry that was mostly male. Um, so that was interesting to have to prove myself in that field. Um, so to, to achieve and to, um, to work hard in that, um, I think that maybe I think about that sometimes too. And my husband and I have even talked about how, you know, training and running is maybe a different way that I get to achieve now that I'm at home with my kids. Yeah. So I want to push a little bit on you a little bit. So what happens of all these things that we've been talking about right now, when you got to 20, 21, 22 at CIM, and did you know by that point that you weren't going to get what you wanted? Yes. And so when you got there and you 
did you, were you still fighting or had you sort of thrown the towel in at that point? So I kind of, it started to fall apart for me about 16 or 17. And I knew that I was still on pace to, to do fairly well. Um, and it just kind of further unraveled and really about, I was still kind of fighting. And then about 24, I remember saying to myself, don't leave here with nothing. Mm. Like at the very least I'm going to PR. So that was kind of my, in my head, like, don't leave here with nothing. Keep going. So I would like you to think about this statement of purpose from the context of the 21 mile mark of a race where you're still there, you're in it, it's close, but it is far from certain what the outcome will be. And of the things that you wrote here, what pieces of those do you think you could grab a hold of and say, you know, you're not in that moment because when we're in that moment, we always, we get a little wonky and we just throw, we grab a hold of whatever's there. But if you knew that you were going to be in this spot and I was going to say to you, Amanda, why are you doing this at that point? Does any of the stuff that you have here work still? Oh man. I, I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you, are you still at that moment? Let's just use the words that you've already used. Are you still trying to get the very best of yourself? Or am I trying to survive? Um, yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that in that moment, I'm still trying to get the best of myself, but as I'm reading, as I'm rereading my purpose statement, like, I'm not sure that it's like motivating at mile 21. Right. So you're, you're, well, you're there, you're there, but you're there in, in thought, in effort, but not in deed. So that's what Chris and I are trying to do today. Now, yeah. So now we're there, right? So yeah. how do we get there indeed? Yeah. We're trying to get to that visceral connection to the words. Yeah. That you're going to think about, read and respond in some physical way. Because that's what it's going to take when in sub threes on the line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the words you used at CIM when you said, get something out of this. Like yeah. you, you, it was, you were, you were fucking done. Pardon my French. Right. Yeah. You were yeah. done bullshitting. You were going to get something out of it. Now, what Chris and I are trying to do is to put you on the front end of that, to get on top of that, to be like, the boss of it rather than where you were at CIM in those later miles, which was, it was the boss of you. And you were yeah. just saying, will you please just let me get something out of this? And we want to put you in a position for you to get on top of it and say, no, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to get out of this. Yeah. So a couple of other questions as we kind of drill in and get to know you a little bit and, and thank you for sharing. And of course being open with everybody, a couple of things you said, so we talked about your career as you know, being in a male-dominated world. Is there something, too, about being a stay-at-home mom in today's world where you know, there's still bullshit about that not being a real thing or that you're somehow not reaching your potential if that's what you've decided to do with your life? Is there anything in there that you feel? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, and yeah, I think... I think definitely, you know, I went to school and got an education and went to work. And then 
um, completely changed um, my path when we had kids. And I love it and I wouldn't change it for the world, but it definitely, um, I think, motivates me to pursue something, um, like I said, just the achievement of something um, that's bigger because I feel like, you know, sometimes um, my days, they look the same, right? Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so there's there's something there about proving yourself to others, which ties back to that kind of point about proving yourself to get to the Boston qualifier. Now, I also want to ask you about a place to pray. Okay. In some ways, we were just talking about you praying at the end of CIM, <laughs> praying that you can salvage <laughs> something, right? And maybe you're praying to God. Maybe you're just praying. I don't know. But is is there a, a spiritual element for you too? Yeah, definitely. Um I, I definitely use it as a place to communicate with God sometimes. Um, it's an outlet for me and a place that I can go. Um, my husband and I joke all the time that if we're in a fight, then I can go and I can run and come back. And usually I've, I've cooled down. I've got a level head. And a lot of time that's I, I contribute to um, or attribute to um, just praying. And would that be a part of your reason for running or your reason for pursuing goals? Do you think? Um, I don't necessarily think they're related. I think that it's just a, a time that I'm able to do that because it's quiet and I can be alone with my thoughts. So you're not trying to run under three hours for God. No. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that in any. No. Neg- you know, any, if I any said that, it would have sounded way, way, way worse. Amanda. I don't mean that in any flippant <laughs> no. way. I don't mean in any that in any flippant way, because there are people that might have that purpose and right. there's nothing wrong with it. But right. I'm just trying to sort out for you is that, you know, are these two things connected or not? And it sounds like they're not, which is, no, you know, which not. is OK. Because obviously it drives what you're doing in other parts of your life, I'm sure. Right. So. Okay, so Steve, I think we're getting to something here, right? Which is that you know when we were talking before with Lee, you know, ultimately the conversation we were having with him was more about proving something to himself. For you, I'm not sure that that's it. It sounds to me like you're trying to prove something to others, and that other may not have a face, but you know, you're trying to prove something with you're running that, Hey, I can get this Boston qualifier. Hey, I can break three because you have a little bit of this history. Like I have to do that in order to show people that, Hey, look, yeah, I'm a stay at home mom, but I'm still a badass in my own way. You know, Chris, I, I'm going to just say, cause when we did this with Lee, you disagree with me. I think I disagree. I'm not sure I agree with you, but okay. I'm interested to see yeah. hey, well, Amanda, see Amanda. Hey, says. we're just sitting here on the couch, psychoanalyzing <laughs> you. I probably, basically, but I wonder, I would, this is an interesting thing because I'm hearing from you something different. I'm hearing from you really that while those same pressures and pushes and pulls are in the place, that what you're trying to say to yourself is that all the decisions and all the choices that I've made to this point are my decisions and my choices, and I'm in control of them. And I am going to show that to myself that those things are worth it. And I think that yeah. Chris is, I don't know which it is. And, and, and honestly, it could be some kind of combination of the two or some other things. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's, 
Yeah, you have to tell us. Correct. But we're just trying to pull out. And you don't have to tell us today necessarily. Yeah. It would be nice to, but <laughs> yeah. we're going to give you another opportunity. We're going to give you another opportunity to come full circle with the process. But I am curious there because Chris and I, I don't think we're, I think we're, both of us could coach you incredibly well the same way, but I think it's really interesting to me to figure out which of those two, or if there is a distinguisher with them. I think if I'm just kind of thinking about it as we're talking, I, I, I think maybe it started as proving to other people and now it's proving to myself. I think that, um, that I, I mean, even, I mean, we all have self doubt in things, right? Like, Ooh, can I do this? So you kind of, you put a big goal out there and then you, you chase it and you, you prove to yourself that you can do it. And I think just the little victories along the way are what drives us to keep going. Um, at least for me. And so I, I think maybe, maybe it started one way and, and has now kind of morphed into, um, proving to myself that I can cool. achieve it. Cool. So it's, uh, it's a continuum and it may yeah. go back and forth too. So yeah. The next well, and question. I think, go ahead. No, oh, please I was go just going to say, I, I think about, um, another thing that I kind of wrote down here, um, is about my girls and about kind of the example of my failures and successes kind of model for them. Um, and that it's kind of a continuum in that too. And, and maybe this kind of plays into being a stay at home mom that, they're still seeing me work at something um, and just setting that example for them of I am home, but I am working at this and successes and failures are all something to learn from. And so kind of being transparent with them in that and setting an example. All right. So I have written in my chicken scrawl based on our conversation to prove to myself what can be done. And now I'm going to ask a question that might help us get really quickly to the brass tacks of this is what can be done? Like, what do you really want from this is going to go to a goal thing for a little bit. And, you know, I already know that you feel uncomfortable saying you said <laughs> this is the first time you've ever said sub three, but I have a little sinking suspicion that there might be times that are in the twos and the fives and maybe faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want you to tell me what those are. I just want to know, are, there's more there than the thing you've already said. Is that correct? Yes. If I were doing, if you and I were sitting across from each, from each other over a cup of coffee or me over a glass of beer, I would be getting much more specific here. But I, you, are a list, you are on a podcast with a whole bunch of listeners, and I don't want to put you in that place. <laughs> and we just met 22 minutes And we ago. did just, right. But I feel, I feel good about I, I feel good about this conversation and where we're going with it. And so I wanted, I mean, there's more there, right? So yes. the proof to yourself of what can be done is not one static stationary spot. There's something there that you see is continuing to move in a continuum as this continuum of the why there's also this continuum of where that might put you. And so I'll t warn you now, Amanda, that makes your job a little bit harder when you actually distill this statement of purpose because it has to be big to you, right? Yeah. And you're there. Yeah. You're there with the you're there with the meat, right? And the potatoes. Yeah. But how yeah. are you gonna put it on the plat? How are you gonna serve it to the rest of the world? And that's the thing about the statement of purpose that I think is so amazing. We ask people to write it in the quiet of their own heart, but then to share it out to the rest of the world. You're doing that in a much bigger way, but 
that's what we're going to want you to do in the next phase is to really go through this stuff that we've talked about and then put it out in a way where we're down to the brass tacks, but how would you present those? Um, and when you present them, are they something that give you a positive feedback loop yourself, right? Do they yeah. inspire, they scare you for the statement and, but inspire you, as you said, I just said for the first time, sub three, there was a power there and you know it, right? The, yeah. the power you gave from telling the world that you were going to do something, but the power you gained by, well, I finally said it, right? So I, yeah. we want, Chris and I want your statement of purpose to be in that same vein when it's really there. And um, the, as we said, you've got all the specifics pretty much here, and we've worked through a lot of them. But the next pieces of this puzzle are putting that into a more, into a, into a way that you feel both, you could read your daughters at some future point and say I made some big hairy audacious goals and I went for them and this is what they were and these are the things I was saying at that time even if they're not relevant 25 years from now when they would read them but they're relevant now and so they must yeah. be relevant later if I think about this with my mom oh my goodness I would love to know what my mother was thinking my mom was a stay-at-home mom and I would love to know the things that were in her space at that time so I could res resonate with them so it's pretty cool and powerful, powerful stuff, Chris. Anyway, I got off on a little tangent there, but. How are you reacting to all of this so far, Amanda? No, it's great. I, um, like I said, my palms were a little sweaty as he was asking me some questions, but, um, I think, I, no, it's good. And it, it makes me think like, I, I need to figure out like how to, to streamline that into something that is more powerful to myself because, I mean, Steve's right. As soon as I said my goal out loud, there was this um, kind of fear, but then freedom and then excitement. And like, so just kind of putting that all together with that. I'm going to ask a hard question because I'm curious to see where this makes the conversation go. But if I were to say, Amanda, can you run 259.59? What would you say is your percent confidence level that that's possible? 99.9%. .9 okay. Now, if I were to say, Amanda, can you run 257.59? What would be your confidence level? 95%. <laughs> so now if I said, Amanda, <laughs> can you run 253.59? What would it be? Oh... 70%. <laughs> Still pretty high. Now, 249.59. Oh, gosh. Um, 60%. Oh, damn. Okay, so this Steve. is all eventually, right? Oh, this is Steve. like... No, this is eventually. You're, yeah, this you're is doing eventually. great. Okay. You're, yeah, I mean, no, you're, okay. And this is... Before you, before you freak to the world, right? Literally, this is that is amazing. That is um that is amazing, and you just you just keep working it, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it's this cool is... though because the thing that's interesting to me about you know sometimes when you talk to people as a coach and their per and their purpose is about proving something to themselves, a lot of times that's paired with a bunch of self doubt and or some lack of belief in themselves. And what I'm hearing from you before you even gave me those percentages was a confident person. And so, so it's interesting to me how a confident person 
can still have this purpose to prove something to themselves when at some level you already believe you can do it. You just haven't yet. Yeah. Now, there'll be another follow-on conversation, Steve, that we need to have about her goals. <laughs> yes. But that will be, that will be, that, that's, this that's is the, this is the stuff that you get that's, on the, on the training podcast, yes. not yes. on the regular that's everyday the next podcast. Step. Yeah. So I'm glad we got to it, but we don't need to go all the way there today because there's more meat to get to there. But, but I, as I talk about that, that kind of paradox that you're super confident, but at some level you're still trying to prove something to yourself how can you articulate that in your own words? Like, do you, first, does that resonate that comment? And two, how does it feel? Um, it, I feel like for me, I, I, I am confident and I, I feel like if you work hard, you can achieve that. Right. Like I just have to put in the work, um, to get it done. Um, I don't, I don't know why I feel like I, I guess it's just the challenge if I'm, I've never done it before. So I want to prove to myself that I can't, I feel like I can, and I'm confident that I can. And I know if I continue to work hard and, and do the things that I'm supposed to do, that I can do it. Um, but proving it to myself and actually doing it are, is different. I haven't done it. So I want to prove to myself that I'm right and that I can. So if I were to rewrite your statement and purpose and say it this way, which is, my purpose now in running is to prove to myself that I'm a sub three marathoner. How would that resonate? Um, I would hope that it would be quickly replaced by um, something different. So that one wouldn't work. Exactly. Right, Chris? No. Exactly. That's your point. Exactly. So let's not walk all the way down to 257, 255, <laughs> right, right, right. 253, right? But <laughs> you, see where we're, you see what he's getting at. Yes, yes, yes. So here's another thing that I think that's very much, not I wouldn't say exactly the flip of the same coin, but f much further along a different spectrum. When you think about what Chris just said, then also think about, make sure that statement of purpose, can you say to it about it, that's a path with heart. That's a thing I am scared of and know I'm not sure I can achieve, but I know it is going, it is, I know it is good. And I don't mean good in the term of value, but more in the term of it is what I need in the good, right? So the thing that for the same, it's, it's good in the sense that it proves to yourself what can be done. And as you go through the process of rewriting the statement of purpose, think about that. Think about what Chris said, how low-hanging fruit does not work very well, right? If you pick the low thing, it's not going to work. But if I told you, write me a statement of purpose that addresses your path with heart, it's like incapacitating and crazy. And like, I don't really know where to go with that. So, but those two things, you need to run somewhere between those two traps and if you don't, then it's either going to be too soft or too, or not get done. And um, you're there pretty quick. You're pretty much there. You're just going to need something that will help you in that dark night of the soul, that 21st and 22nd and 23rd mile. And one other question that, or thing to think about, which we haven't touched on and we probably don't have time to kind of go all the way down the path with. You mentioned your kids verbally to us now, but you didn't mention it in your written words. And so obviously being an example for them is important, but to what extent are you 
viscerally connected to showing them what you can accomplish and is and you don't have to answer necessarily but is that potentially a part of it or is it not you know just like in your case the you know the god element isn't in the top line of the purpose but it's just another thing that you're doing it for so anyway it's something else to think about yeah there's a lot to think about (laughs) (laughs) well you've you've been awesome I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here giving you a round of applause, Amanda. That was, well, you walked into it with a pit in your stomach, and I hope that you walk out of it saying, wow, what was that all about? But you'll, <laughs> what you know, one of the coolest, yeah, what just happened? Actually, a lot of people that sit in here with our podcast, have you heard, did you hear Gene Rigotti and Ardith, uh, Ardith's uh, podcast with us? Did you get to listen to that one? Where we had the listeners on. Where we had listeners on. Yeah. Anyway, they, they, one of them, Gene got, Got a got, walked literally was slack jawed to the point where she did not know what to do with herself, um, and you acquitted yourself remarkably. That was this is really good stuff, and I think that any of our listeners that are not moved by the courage that Lee and Amanda have shown, and not moved by the realness of your pursuit. And that no matter where they are, whether a five-hour marathon or, or trying to get an, a, a, a Boston qualifier or trying to get a PR or trying to get Olympic trials qualifier, that regardless where they are on that continuum, that they can see themselves in the two of you and what you've shared here. It's, uh, it's hats off to you. That's pretty amazing stuff. It's very cool. You do have some homework, which is to refine your statement of purpose. <laughs> And ultimately, yeah. refi- refine your goals. <laughs> yes, that'll be a different. Topic. We'll have a separate conversation about that. But yeah, but I, I am glad we got that out of you. So thank you, Amanda, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys very much. So there we go. A conversation with Amanda. Thanks again to Amanda and Lee for joining us. Hope you enjoyed those discussions. That being able to be a fly on the wall with two of our podcast training members as we work with them on their statements of purpose. And we hope this allows you to reflect on your own statement of purpose. So a few takeaways just to think about as you walk away. One is certainly go do it. This is a worthy task, especially if big goals are important to you. So take some time, answer that question. Why do you run? Why do you seek to achieve whatever goals you may have in front of you? So that's point one. Point two, once you get something down on paper, it's so important to share it. If you have a coach, that's certainly a, a, a must conversation to have with your coach so that they can help you test and refine that statement of purpose. But you can also work with friends or, or family members, partners in your life that know you and can help you test whether or not what you're putting on paper is real. The third thing, and Steve said it, it needs to basically be able to stand up to the pressure. So once you get something down on paper and refined with other input, then you need to think about how it might apply. Will it stand the, the, the pain of a marathon at mile 21 when the chips are down and seconds are on the line? Or will it stand the pain of a half marathon at mile 10 when you have to press and close fast in order to get your goal that's one true test of whether or not your statement of purpose is real. And then lastly, as you're writing it and as you read it back to yourself, and I do encourage reading it out loud when you're working through it, you have to feel 
viscerally connected to the words on the page. It can't just be an essay like we talked about for class with Lee, but it needs to be something that you literally feel inside when you read the words or when you think about the words. So those are some tests and hopefully the other elements of the conversation that we had with Lee and Amanda relate to you in some way. Perhaps you heard some of yourself in some of those discussions, but we really thank Lee and Amanda for joining us. Hopefully everybody learned something and we'll be, as we said, doing more of these. So if you'd like to sit in and are willing to share your statement of purpose with the world, please email me at chris at roguerunning.com and we'll work through these and do a series of this particular topic. So thanks everybody for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.